0: You're listening to the Business Essentials Daily Summer Series, the best episodes of 2020. Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. The acronym in defiance of overthinking and over-engineering. But achieving simplicity isn't always that simple. One brand in particular has KISS down to a T. Any ideas which? From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. In a world that demands more of our attention than ever, it can still take real effort to keep things simple. Steve Jobs, Apple founder and CEO, had an almost religious devotion to simplicity and demanded the same from those around him. Ken Siegel was creative director at TBWA Shire Day, Apple's ad agency at the time. And both Steve and Ken worked really close together. In fact, Ken's the man who put the iconic I in iMac. Ken's now an author, speaker and creative strategist. And during a trip to Melbourne, he spoke to Chris Ashmore about his book, Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. Ken begins by telling Chris about the time he presented a series of newspaper ads to a clearly annoyed Steve Jobs.
1: I was about one sentence into my great preamble that I'd practiced so much before I was... Oh, these ads were sitting on the table upside down. And um, I was a sentence into it, and Steve just said, Will you just turn over the damn ads? (laughs) He says, Are you going to be sitting next to me when I read the Wall Street Journal to explain them to me? I'm like, Well, no, okay, so... You know, we just turn them over and we have a discussion about them. So that was one of the things I, I accepted that and I understood it. And when I present to, to new clients now, sometimes I'll tell them that story, but basically I'll say, you know what, they are what they are. They're going to hit you or they're not, so let me know what you think. I think Steve thought any kind of preamble like that, a, a formal presentation, you're just trying to get them to like something. And he thought, you know, it's a good idea or it's not a good idea, and I'll just judge
2: it. So he was, he was a little impatient with things like that. Well, Ken, if simplicity is so obviously a good thing, why do you think so many businesses fail to really adopt it?
1: You know, you can pay lip service to it. I've worked with a lot of other companies and, you know, someone will give a good speech and then a week later it's kind of the way it always was. So I just think it takes a lot of work. First of all, you have to understand it, you have to appreciate it, and you have to spend the time and the energy to make sure it takes root. You know, the love of simplicity has to kind of be part of the culture. And, you know, just to say, you know, here's a project and we're going to make it simple, you know, the next week people will be back to being complicated. So it takes a lot of work is what it boils down to. It isn't
2: simple to be simple. Now, Steve had a a simple stick he'd use with great effect. Um, What is the simple stick and were you ever... Uh, hit by it.
1: <laughs> well, in my book, I talk about the simple stick as a way to introduce the feeling at Apple that things could be made simpler. And the idea was that if you presented an idea to Steve Jobs, if he thought it was too complicated, he would I'm not sure if he would necessarily chew you out, berate you, or, or whatever, but he would tell you he doesn't like it and you got to do more work or whatever. And the way people would sometimes describe that you know, if they came back from a meeting would be like, well, Steve hit us with the simple stick. You know, it's kind of like the way he would discipline people for making things too complicated. So I think I was hit by the simple stick, you know, more than once. And I think it, it helped shape the way I
2: look at things. There's a chapter in the book called Think Skeptic. And in it, you say not to give in to naysayers. There will always be a reason for someone to say no. But is what, they often mean hard to do. A lot of times people say something can't be
1: done. In fact, I fell victim to not being sceptical and thus sort of embarrassing myself in front of Steve because he wanted something done. I told him it couldn't be done, involving the deadlines with a magazine. And I just said, no, we've, we've done all the work we can do. It's just not possible. That's, their policy is you need X amount of days to do something. And his reaction was that's ridiculous, you know. They print a magazine every week with, you know, lots of stuff changing every week, so why do they need six weeks to do whatever it is we needed done? And it was one of those things where it was sort of a common sense thing. Steve would be that way, I think, was like, that doesn't make sense. So clearly, if you lean on someone, they're going to change their way. So after i told him how it couldn't be done and steve said you better find a way to do it i would go back and our production people would call the magazine and explain that you better find a way to do this cuz steve is very upset then suddenly they would be like yeah sure we can make an exception in this case and then i have to tell steve well yeah you were right they can do it and you know that made me feel awful and it made steve feel like you know why do i listen to these people when you know i know more than they do kind of a thing so Be very careful about what people tell you can or can't be done because there are
2: all kinds of reasons why people can't do things. Well, turning to what you call the brand bank, it helps to have a healthy balance in the brand bank. Can you explain what you mean? Every time you do something good, every time your product is
1: well-received, that you sort of are putting deposits in your brand bank. So Steve's thing was that you want to have a high balance in the brand bank, and the reason you want to have that is that That shows that people are attached to you, and you have some goodwill built up, and when that inevitable bad thing happens, you'll survive. People will say, well, you know, they're good guys, so cut them a break. So one of the examples I use is the iPhone 4 that had that antenna that wrapped around the edges, and there was immediately a firestorm of criticism because if you held it a certain way, you could short out the antenna, and people were dropping calls, and it wasn't nearly as big a deal as the world made it out to be, but there's so many people anxious to attack, it became a huge, huge thing. Because Apple had a high balance in the brand bank, people were like, well, generally they're a really good company, so it doesn't seem like a terrible problem, and you know, I like the values this company has, so people stuck with them. There wasn't a mass defection, and if a company had a low balance in the brand bank, they would defect, and you know, you would have a, a bad result. But Apple emerged from that unscathed.
2: Apple was and still is a phenomenally successful business generating lots of money, but profits were not Steve's focus, is that right? I think this is a really important thing because I've worked with a bunch of these different companies
1: now, Intel, Dell, Apple, etc. I think in the world of Intel and Dell, it was very profit-oriented. Almost every meeting was about driving up the number of clicks or sales or whatever, and you had to have measurable results, and that's all it was about. And Creativity, honestly, was you know, somewhat second in the priority list. I never had any meeting at Apple like that. There was never any kind of performance thing. It was always about just do great work. No one denies they've made a lot of money. They have over $200 billion in the, in the cash reserves now. But they didn't do that because they set out to get rich. They did it because they set out to make great products.
2: If there's one single lesson that you can take away working with Apple, what would that be?
1: What I learned from Steve is do the right thing. And that's going to sound, like I say, a bit trite, but that worked for him on two levels. One was the moral level. And we had a time where one of our Think Different Ads created some controversy in somewhere in Asia. I forget exactly what it was, but we had chosen a person. It might have been Gandhi or something, and some locality was having an issue with it. And you know, we got to run something else. And Steve listened to it, and he said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that they feel that way, but that's Apple. That's what we believe, and we're not going to change that just to sell a few more computers. So that's us, and that's what we're running." And I remember thinking, like. Wow, I've never really heard a CEO respond with such, you know, moral correctness and I and I respected him more for it. And so I think that's that was a right thing. And then you can look also if you talk about morals, you know, the App Store and the way Apple sort of polices, you know, they approve, you know, what apps are there. Steve didn't want pornography and and bad things to be in the app store. It's like, you know what, if they want to get those things, let them get them elsewhere, but Apple is not going to make that for them. The other part of it was the right thing as far as products went, and Steve really believed that the user experience was more important than anything else, so we had to make everything, you know, in advertising that was part of the user experience, but, you know, when you buy a product... you know, the beauty of it, the feel of it, the software design, all that stuff. If there was ever a choice to be made, it was very simple. It's like, which one makes the best user experience? And that was the right thing to do. And then he would say, now find a way to do it faster and cheaper. <laughs> he would never really compromise. But, but he never wavered in doing the right thing.
0: That was author and ad man, Ken Siegel. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more Bee Daily tomorrow. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit That's mazars.com.au. That's mazar